From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. If you were a little kid, you probably played with Noah's Ark, right? You probably had, we have here in our living room, uh, a Noah's Ark made out of wood and little wood figurines of all the little characters, two, you know, two ducks, two geese, two dogs, two cats, two horses, two cows, two sheep, and a little Noah and a little Noah's wife. And, um, you know, our kids played with this little thing when they were young. My, now my grandkids play with this or my grandchild plays with this when she's here. Uh, so it's a it's a really really um, well known story. We you know it's a fun story because you get to play with the animals two by two. But you know there's a dark side to the story. I mean God through this story wipes out mankind except for Noah and his family. And um, I you know as in a lot of stories, right? Grimm's fairy tales that that we read as a children, if you actually go back to the Grimm's fairy tales and start reading them, you realize these are pretty gruesome. Um, and so we uh, we are a lot more sanitized telling stories today to our kids than we've ever been in history. I mean, you go back to some of those German folk tales that we tell our kids and they're scary and horrible. And, you know, Hansel and Gretel is not a very peaceful story, right? Uh, and, and Noah's Ark isn't a peaceful story either. But but mankind is, um, we have a tendency and a capability to be very cruel to each other. I mean, as we're seeing right now in um, all the violence in Minnesota, right? It's just, or all, all, across the, all across the country, that we have a capacity to inflict great harm upon other people and hurting people hurt people. And, um, and you know, we're in a time right now where there are a lot of people hurting and, uh, and we have that capacity. And so I think telling these stories to our children, even the gruesome ones, are probably uh, a foreshadowing of, of things that could happen in their life uh, as they live their life. Because not all everything is a bed of roses. We have, uh, you know, we have this great free will, this thing called free will. But when we exercise our free will for evil, it can, be, it can look pretty bad. So um, we're going to get into the story of Genesis uh, you, you've heard, like I said, you've heard the story a million times, not the Genesis, we're in, in the flood. Uh, yesterday, we looked at the lineage from Adam through Seth all the way down to Noah. We talked about the Nephilim, but the whole part of that, I think the whole reason why that whole uh, narrative of the genealogy of uh, from Adam to, to Noah is in there is to just kind of set up the backstory to this whole story about Noah and his wife in the flood. Um, so we're going to go ahead and start. This is Genesis chapter six, and we are uh, we are going to we are going to begin at verse nine. All right. So this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all of the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So um, we kind of get the backstory here that, that uh, we have Noah and his family, and all of a sudden the earth 
around Noah has just become corrupt uh, and it's become violent. And that appears to be a, vi- a, you know, a common theme throughout all of humanity. As I've said, we tend to be, we can have an amazing capacity for violence. And it appears that God got fed up with the violence. He looked at the violence and he's like fed up with it. And so he talks to Noah, right? He goes to Noah and we see here that Noah is a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. So a lot of violence, a lot of violent people, a lot of corruption, but we have this one character named Noah. And, uh, you know, there was a movie uh, that came out. Oh, man, I'm going to have to look at that. It came out very recently. Uh, I think it was called Noah and had a different spin on the Noah story. It was like Noah had to follow God. And depending upon how well Noah followed God was whether or not humanity would be wiped out or not. And there was a lot of commentators on that uh, saying it wasn't really true to the biblical account. But if you think about it, Noah has to follow God, right? Like Noah has to, in order for humanity to be saved, Noah has to do what God is calling him to do, right? He has to build an ark. And of course, there's been lots and lots and lots. of One of my favorite uh, story about Noah building the ark was a Bill Cosby routine that he used to do, you know, 30, 40 years ago. I remember my grandparents had on our record. We used to play that record. It was a record of no of Bill Cosby, uh, Bill, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby, um, and and uh, he was a comedian. Uh, you know, he was arrested and put in jail. But but before he was arrested and put in jail, he was a very famous comedian, and used to do these comedy albums. And some of them were really quite clever. And his comedy album of Noah's Ark was just absolutely phenomenal, and would have us in tears because uh, you know it's funny. Of course, you know. Back then, we had to listen to these things over and over again. You know, today, comedy, you hear it once, and it's like, I'm done with it. But back then, you would listen to comedy more than once because it was funny. You know, you'd, you'd listen to it together, and that would be what you did. Anyway, so, um, so this is probably, you know, this is the whole story about Noah being faithful to God and doing what God told him to do in the midst of kind of craziness is really what, what sets Noah apart, Right. And so scripture here in the Old Testament, we call Noah a righteous person. And what is a, you know, what is a righteous person? It's basically somebody who, uh, here we know that he was upstanding citizen, right? He was more righteous than everybody else, but God chooses him to build the ark, which means that God is going to give Noah a task to do, and it's kind of a crazy task. But Noah needs to do it. And if Noah does it, mankind is saved. If he doesn't do it, mankind's not saved. And, um, you know, the comedy of all this thing is is there hasn't been a worldwide flood. You know, there is no reason to be building an ark out in the middle of nowhere. But Noah's going to do it. He's going to follow God's command. He's going to build the ark uh, because Noah's a righteous man. And God needs righteous people. God needs people who are willing to step out in faith, do things that don't necessarily seem like they make a lot of sense to do, uh, and do them anyway because God told you to do them. And this is the story of the Old Testament, right? It's the story of God's people because God always calls us to do things, to step out in faith and do the things he's called us to do, even if they don't make sense to us. I mean, that's the very basic definition of faith, right? Is to follow God even when it doesn't make sense. 
And that's this is definitely what Noah does. Uh, we see this all throughout the Old Testament. We find people who are faithful people. And the reason why they're, fa- you know, they're faithful is because they are willing to follow God even when it doesn't make sense. And you can carry this into the New Testament. You can carry it today, right? God uh, calls us to be faithful followers of of in the kingdom of God, and He calls us to do things that we're just not sure, um, you know, what's going to be the outcome if we do that, and yet we do it uh, because God's called us to do it. And I've said this many, many times that faith is like a muscle. You step out in faith in one area of your life, and you see that God blesses that, and it's like, oh. So you step out in a different area of faith and God blesses that and it's like, oh, and pretty soon you build your whole life on that root system of building your faith uh, and that causes the root system to get bigger and bigger and stronger. And pretty soon you have you are a, a faithful follower of God. Uh, you have no problems just doing the things that he's called you to do because every other time that he's called you to do something, you step out of faith and do it, you see the blessings of that in your life. And um, so Noah is one of these people. He's going to be these, one of these people that, that uh, is righteous and he follows, he follows God's will. He steps out in faith. So Noah is the main character of this story. Uh, there are some other characters that come along with him, but Noah is the guy. And all of us are here because Noah was a faithful guy, according to the flood story. And um, so let's see, what else? Uh, why does God, why is God angry? What's the setup to this story? Well, it says in scripture here, there's violence uh, and corruption happening in the world, violence and corruption. And I must say that uh, that. There, there has still been violence and corruption in the world. There's, there's definitely corruption going around and there's definitely violence going around. And um, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things I wonder about with all the stuff going on is, is there such a thing as a righteous violence? Like at what level, at what level is, uh, is the violence acceptable and at what level is the violence not acceptable? And, you know, I... In my earlier days, I would say, well, there's no level of violence that's ever acceptable. And it's like, well, we fight wars. That's violent, right? We, we, uh, we try to break up, you know, something through violence. I mean, we escalate violence righteously to break up violence that may be an unrighteous violence, right? Um, but it's the other part, which is the corruption part. And uh, we have seen throughout history where at some level there is corruption and the corruption appears to never get fixed or solved until the violence is escalated. And I mean, I've just been really thinking about this, you know, particularly over the last, you know, 10 days, because my heart says violence is never, ever acceptable. I mean, I look at pictures of violence, and I say, that's wrong, it's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. But uh, I know throughout history that there have been times when governments, I'm not saying our government, but there have been governments or elected officials or people, kings, queens, oligarchies, or whatever, that, that use their power uh, in very, very bad ways. And the only way that you can kind of stop them from using their power in bad ways is to kind of overthrow that, that system of government, or at least make your you know, position heard through violence. And um, so I, I, uh, 
you know, I didn't want to get into the whole violence that's going on in Minnesota or across the nation right now. But I do know that throughout history, violence has been used to try to promote, to bring about justice. Uh, and so I've just been thinking about that lately because I've always been a person that believes in the rule of law, that there's no place ever, you know, for violence. Uh, but I also know that throughout history, there has been a place for it. So, um, and even in the place of our, of our country, some of the things that we did, you know, in the civil war and the civil rights movement and all sorts of things, violence has been a part of that. So it just makes you pause and wonder, you know, is there such a thing as righteous violence? And, um, uh, I think, I think that is a very, very tough question we have to struggle with, but mankind has always been capable of corruption and mankind has always been capable of violence. And God is angered by it. God is saddened by it. God is saddened when he sees corruption and he's saddened when he sees violence. And they seem to go hand in hand, right? Uh, violence breeds corruption, corruption breeds violence. It just goes hand in hand. Um, but there are always good people. There's always a Noah, right? There's always somebody who is able to be God's messenger on this earth to bring truth and clarity uh, in, the midst of, in the midst of all that sort of thing. Right now, God is choosing Noah to be his messenger. So, uh, you know, another, another thing I wanted to comment on, when I was getting ready to do this study on, uh, on Genesis, one of the other studies that I really, I, I did an in-depth class on the book of Amos uh, back in seminary days. And I've, I love the book of Amos. He's a minor prophet, uh, but he was dealing in his time with corruption. And uh, he was a prophet preaching against a corrupt system, a corrupt political system in his time. And uh, man, this was even before the stuff happened in, uh, in Minnesota. But I thought I would really like to just do a Bible study on Amos. So I was thinking about, actually, instead of doing the book of Genesis, you know, t three or four weeks ago, I was thinking about doing the book of Amos. And now I'm kind of like, man, I wish that had done Amos because we'd be right in the middle of it. Um, we'd have a perfect world example of, of how power can be corrupted. Um, but I'm guessing that when we finish Genesis, at some point we'll get to the book of Amos, and I'm sure it won't be too far into the book of Amos before we'll have an actual real-world example somewhere across the world of corruption and violence, okay? So it's not going away. Um, and the other thing that's it's a major theme, you know, if you've got corruption, you've got violence, is... And this, this one we have to talk about. There's always God's grace. We always see in the midst of corruption and violence, the hand of God doing amazing things. Uh, and I know that there's, there's you know, horrible things going on right now around the country. But if you look hard, uh, it will not be too difficult to discern that there are wonderful moments of the hand of God with his grace, uh, acting through, uh, I believe, through his church, doing amazing and wonderful things, even in the midst of horrible corruption and violence. So look for those things and praise God for those things when they happen. And uh, I, I probably should look for those things and then bring them out when I see them because they are beautiful. They're wonderful things. That in the midst of terrible tragedy, God's grace still shines through. And that's an amazing thing. So, all right. So now we have the setup to this whole story. Uh, Noah's a righteous man. God sees corruption and violence, and so he's going to do something about it. So 
Let's go see what God is going to do. As if you don't know the answer, right? Verse 13, so God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. And this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath on lo- of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wife was with you. Um. Well, let's just keep reading. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will be will come to you to be kept alive. And you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So uh, now we have the, 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 what, the epilogue or whatever the, the, the story is building, the rising conflict of the story. God's angry with earth because of violence, so he's going to destroy everything. He's going to destroy, he wants to destroy mankind and the earth, but he's relenting. Uh, he says, I'm going to save Noah and his family. So he gives Noah the description of how to build this ark, uh, don't know why he picked our, no, I mean, we know nothing about how Noah did any of this. I mean, did, did he have shipbuilding experience beforehand? You know, all we have now is it's an ark. It's made out of cypress wood. Uh, it's 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. I have no idea how long a cubit is. But uh, if you, there is supposedly a life-size replica of the ark somewhere in Arkansas or somewhere back east uh, at the, at uh, the, Genesis Museum. There's a Genesis Museum back east, and they built a life-size ark, so you can actually walk through the ark. Now, Jennifer and I want to go see this ark, so uh, one of these days, we are going to drive all the way over there, and we're going to go through this uh, this museum and see the ark, uh, and just to kind of get a visual depiction of what it, you know, what it would be according to the measurements that are in Scripture. Um, of course, there are people around the world that say the story is crazy. There's no such thing as an ark. Uh, there have been geologists and archaeologists and explorers that have been looking for the ark for thousands of years. Does it still exist? Is it on Mount Ararat? Uh, you know, you see a headline every once in a while. They found the ark, and then the headline goes away. And so uh, that is uh, that would be the find of a lifetime, my friends, is to find the ark. Uh, because uh, it's interesting that every culture, there's so many, the Sumerians have a flood story, the Babylonians have a flood story. Uh, there are too many cultures out there that have a very, very similar flood story about, you know, floods coming up and some say were saved, uh, that it, it cannot be just that it's just one culture 
Uh, it, I mean, there has to be something to this story. There must have been a catastrophic flood at some point in the history of the world. And we'll get into this a little bit more. Like, is it a localized flood? Is it a worldwide flood? God calls it a worldwide flood, but you're talking about, you know, thousands of years ago, and they didn't even know that the world was round back then. So, uh, you know, they may have thought that the earth existed for 200 feet in each direction. And, you know, that's, that is the whole entire earth. So it's you cannot read into uh, scripture the knowledge that we have today about the earth being round and how all that is. You have to understand that the people, this story, uh, you know, this is the ancient Near East. But there is absolutely no question that in the ancient Near East, thousands of years ago, there was some catastrophic flood because it's in every culture. They all talk about it. And it explains a lot of the geologic events that happened uh, at that time. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, God gives uh, Noah the dimensions of this thing. And I'm going to guess that 30, it's probably like 60 feet high and 50 feet, you know, 100 feet wide and maybe 400 feet long or something. It's a big, big honking ship. There's no question about it. Uh is it big enough to bring all the animals? I mean, I don't know. I think they might answer that question if I go see the ark. Like, is it is it big enough for all the animals? Or uh, like the Irish rovers saying, did the unicorns end up playing so much because there were so much fun-loving creatures that they missed the ark? I don't know. But uh, it was definitely a large, large ship. Uh, and then God's going to do that. And then he says, I'm going to establish a covenant with you. And we're going to talk about that covenant. And you will enter the ark, and you and your sons and your daughter's wives with you. And then you're going to bring all these living creatures that are going to come to Noah. He's going to put them in the ark, and he's going to keep them alive. And then what do we find at the very end? Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And this is why I'm reminded of uh, you know, the Bill Cosby comedy routine, because he's building this ark, and all the people are looking at him like he's crazy. Uh, but it turns out that Noah wasn't crazy. He's the one that followed God. And so he's the one that's saved. Um, let's see. Yeah, we, we could continue going into it. So let's just, let's just read on a little bit. And the Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive through the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature that I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. So Noah's taking, we always say two by two, but if it's an unclean animal, uh, it's seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, and only one pair of every unclean animal. And of course, we find out later in scripture what they define as an unclean animal. There are certain kind of hoof designs, like a pig is an unclean animal, right? There's just certain kinds of animals that are unclean, and there's certain kind of animals that are clean. And um, I'm not exactly sure why it's seven pairs of the clean animals and two pairs of the, of the unclean animals, but... Uh, maybe they're going to use it for food because you could, but we find out later that you can eat food after the flood. Were they going to eat food on the ark now? I don't know. 
Um, but Noah is getting into the ark here seven days before the rains are coming, right? So this is a major, major, major expedition to fill the ark with all these animals. But what does Noah do? Noah does all that the Lord commands of him. So uh, this is the this is the story, uh, and it's the it the pretty soon you know now the rains are going to come, uh, and we're going to see the destruction of mankind. And uh, if you think about, I mean, if you think about it as just a story that you tell your kids, you know, we always talk about Noah and his wife and the happy you know smiles on their faces, but. The fact is, is that a lot of people die. A lot of animals die. I mean, this is a worldwide destruction. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's because God's angry at the world uh, for the violence and the corruption. Uh, but he found one man, Moses, who's, or uh, Noah, who's righteous. And um, so he saves him and his family. And God calls us at times to be righteous. He calls us always to be righteous, but he always calls us to step out in faith and do things that we're just not sure about. But when we do them, we see the immense blessing uh, in our lives when we do that. So I guess the lesson from this part is, uh, is step out in faith, do what God's calling you to do, and you'll see the blessings of doing that. Uh, so uh, how about we, uh, it's 7.30 or 8.30, so we'll close in prayer and we'll kind of get into the depth and the meat of this story uh, tomorrow. So let's, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for sparing uh, mankind. Thank you for finding a righteous man, Noah, uh, giving him the instructions to build the ark. Uh, his example of righteousness and following you in the midst of craziness, Lord, is a good example for us today because I know you're calling your church in the midst of violence and corruption to do the right thing. Lord, so we pray for your wisdom and guidance of what that right thing is. Help us to always stand up for uh, people who are fighting against corruption all throughout the world, all throughout time. Help us to fight against corruption. Lord, help us um, to love everyone in this world. Uh, help us to pray for, Lord, we do pray for all the people that are, are you know, caught up and are being harmed and hurt by some of the violence around the world. Uh, we lift them up to you also. Uh, be with our nation, our country, our world, our community. Uh, help us to simply follow you. Uh, in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.